The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Well, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, the Rays have added some catching depth. We're going to touch on that a little bit. Um, they also, as uh, we mentioned in our last podcast on Friday, have no arbitration cases. And we're going to hear from Mike Brasso, who is on the 40-man and one was, uh, was one of the three race players to be part of a rookie development career program in Miami. But uh, joining us first is uh, Vice President James Click. And I guess, James, the, the best news that uh, we had for you is that you're not going to have to worry about a hearing in uh, February. I'm sure that has to feel pretty good. Absolutely. It's been too many years since we've gone in a, in a February with not having to, uh, to deal with one of these. And I think it's, um, it's a credit to the whole staff here that worked on, uh, on these, um, the contract negotiations and, and also to the agents on the other side. I think we had some very productive, reasonable, level-headed conversations. Um, it's also a bit of luck. In a lot of these cases, when you end up in a hearing, it's not because uh, anything went sideways on you. It's just because you have an honest disagreement about where a player falls in the salary structure. So, uh, you know, some some of it was was good, open talks with with both sides, being very honest about where we were, where we saw these guys on a number of these. You know, I think that we reached a number that was um, probably a little bit north of where we thought we were going to be. And, and I think on the on the flip side, probably um, not where they were hoping to be. But that's the point of the process. Sure. And, you know, in this case, you didn't have just the five players uh, this year, which is probably less than previous. Mike Zanino was resolved much earlier. There were a couple players that were involved uh, in trades. Uh, you traded Tommy Pham. You got Hunter Renfro back, who was an RB eligible player. Jesus Aguilar was was picked up by the Marlins. So you did have um, some reduction of the of the total from previous years. Did that make it any easier, too? Yes and no. Last year, I think we only had four uh, by the, by the end, and, and we still ended up with one. Uh, there have been times in the past where we've had as many as nine. Um, it, each one is just an individual case. Uh, obviously, the, the more guys that you have that are ARB eligible, the more likely it is that you are going to end up um, having to, to settle one of them uh, in, in a hearing room. Um, but again, it's it's as much about finding common ground with with everybody um and and how you go about that is is dependent on the number but also somewhat not um like you point out i mean we had i think nine guys who were arbitration eligible at the end of the regular season um but through roster reduction uh you know uh, the non-tender deadline um, trades things like that um we did eventually get down to to only five guys by the time we got to to thursday did um did you guys come close to having a hearing in any particular case or was was this uh, among those fairly easy because we uh, you know I read that Chaz Rowe had agreed the day before uh, as you guys were making uh, the the trade with the Cardinals um, and then early in the morning a couple others already you know had by other reporters had been announced that you guys already came to terms. Yeah, I don't think we want to get into too many specifics about the individual negotiations for obvious reasons. But um, again, by and large, across the board, um, everything was very reasonable. Um, everybody, uh, I think, saw things very similarly. We just didn't have a lot of situations where there was a, a stark disagreement about uh, even some of the fundamentals of, of the process. Uh, and again, I think that's a, a credit to the to the team here that um, that worked on these cases and and put in the homework and put in the time to really study the market. Uh, and and similarly on the other side, um, the conversations that I had personally were very reasonable. I think everybody agreed on kind of. 
um, the, the way that, that the market valued these players. Uh, and, and because of that, we were able to come to, to some very fair agreements. Last year in spring training, and we're still a bit over a month away from, from the start of that, you guys came to long-term agreements with Blake Snell and, and Brandon Lau. Um, those players are not arbitration eligible yet, but you you know this is a time where usually those discussions start. Is it easier to start those discussions now that you don't have to worry about a hearing, or are those usually handled by Eric or you, or how do those usually – with whom do they usually begin those kind of talks? Well, there's a, a team of us uh, that all work on them together, those of us that are focused on the, the Major League roster. Um, and, and there are a lot of moving parts when it comes to a, a long-term contract, committing to that many years, that much uh, financial uh, impact to a, to a player um, is not done lightly. And so it takes quite a few of us. Um, and so we are constantly working on, you know, when is the best time to approach the players. In a lot of cases, it it's easier when you get to spring training. Everybody's there. They're excited about the season. Uh, it's easier to sit down face-to-face, have conversations. But at the same time, you don't necessarily want to be focused on that during spring training. We want spring training to be the time that the players are focused on getting back into shape, getting ready for the season. Uh, you certainly don't want the distraction of, of something like that to be entering into their mind. And so in a lot of ways, I, I think that we, we sometimes fall into it in spring training because it's easy, it's familiar, it's the way that we've done it in the past. But by and large, uh, there is some negative impact to potentially having those conversations when guys are, you know, focused on on throwing the ball and hitting the ball and catching the ball. Uh, you know, I think we'd like to ideally have all that kind of stuff behind us. But we're open to it at any time of year than any time a, a player uh, wants to engage on it. I, you know, that's one of the things about about our operations. We're pretty flexible about all of this kind of stuff. Speaking of throwing, hitting, and catching, you guys have added some catching depth. It doesn't necessarily impact the Major League roster at the moment, but could in the future. Touch on the additions of of Kevin Smith and Chris Herman, what each of them bring to the table, and how important it is for this organization, based on all the injuries last year, to have four catchers going into camp that all have Major League experience. Yeah, both guys uh, are well traveled. Uh, you know, have, are in their early 30s, have been around the league for a few years. Um, you know, bounced around a little bit from here to there. Um, the main thing for us was just having that that veteran presence, the veteran leadership, the uh, the ability to pick up the game plan, the ability to you know work with uh, with with pitchers that um, you know by and large it is a younger staff. We obviously have some some veteran guys on the staff, um, but. The, the value of, of having the, the experience behind the plate. Um, yeah, neither one of them is, is on the 40-man currently, but, um, you know, they, they give us uh, depth. And, and we've talked this winter, Eric has talked this winter, I think I've talked this winter about, um, you know, ideally we like to have competition at, at every spot on the diamond. Um, this is a, an area where I think that there's some healthy competition, and obviously we believe in, in, in Mike and, and Mike uh, as, as the guys that are on the 40-man the roster uh, with big league experience right now. But having that depth is, is something critical because as, as last season shows, as, as every season shows, the 26 guys now that are going to be on the roster on opening day are not going to be the only 26 guys on the team. Yeah, the 57 players used last year, 33 pitchers. That said, how much now is about adding additional depth? We've touched on the catching position, but um, how many additional players you want? Uh, is it is it pitching? Is it you know bulk guys, bulk guys who might be in on non roster? What are the types of things you want to add between let's say now and February 12th when the pitchers and catchers report? 
Well, we'd like to add all of it. Um, the the transactions last week went a long way towards moving the roster towards what we think is a really functional 26-man group, uh, particularly on the hitting side. We've talked about wanting to score more runs this, this upcoming season without sacrificing anything on the defensive side of things, and it's it's a tricky line to walk, uh, but with the additions that we've, we've done over the, over the course of the offseason, uh, I feel like we've gotten pretty close to a, a roster that we can feel good about, um, top to bottom, you know, 1 to 26, 1 to 40. Um, so in terms of what we're eyeing over the next few weeks leading into spring training, there are still uh, some players out there that we've been in touch with over the course of the offseason, uh, you know, on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, having more depth at, at every position is obviously something that, that is critical to us as we as we just talked about. I think we're feeling pretty good about, about the, the roster as is, but we're always looking to tinker and improve it where we can. Are you guys able to focus more on just the preparation for spring training and some of those things and getting ready for the season more so now, let's say, than last year? It seemed like with the slowness of the, the offseason movement and even the year before, uh, you guys really, all, all teams, were really kind of focused on still making up their ball club right until the February whatever date it started for those seasons. No question. There's a lot to be gained by having the roster set well in advance of spring training and allowing us to really focus on what we want those five or six weeks in Port Charlotte to to do and how we want to use those to improve the guys that we're bringing in. The slowness of the market and some other things over the past couple of years have led to situations, yeah, where you have, uh, you know, you're going into spring training and there are players who don't know where they're playing. Nobody wants that. But we'll read and react to the market as necessary in order to put the best team that we can on the field. But we don't lose sight of the fact that there is a lot of value to having things settled, to not worrying about like changing the nameplates on the lockers and changing the names on the backs of the jerseys after guys have already come to Port Charlotte. One of the things that we try to focus on, especially with the staff that we have or the baseball operations staff, the coaching staff that we have, is to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. So yeah, we'd ideally like to have the roster in place, and that would free us all up to, to focus on what we want spring training to be. But I think one of the things that we need to be able to do is to, to focus on both simultaneously. Obviously, there's a limit to that. Um, there's Just like there's a limit to how much we can do when we have players that are still you know trying to sell their contract, contracts through arbitration, like we talked about earlier, um, not having to focus some portion of our energies on – being in front of a panel in Scottsdale or, or here in St. Pete uh, definitely frees us up to, to focus on the things that, that we like to to get this club competitive and ready to go. Well, good luck in doing that. We appreciate some time on our latest podcast. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate it. Well, we appreciate James Click joining us a little bit to chat about uh, the offseason and some of the recent changes for the Rays. And joining us now, a guy who certainly uh, seems to be uh, a part of the Rays for this year, and that's Mike Brasso, who last year had a terrific rise to get to the big leagues for the first time. And Brasso was part of um, a rookie development or rookie career development program in Miami. Um, Mike, thanks very much for a few minutes. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Neil. Always happy to be on, man. Tell me what it meant, first of all, to be part of this program in Miami um, and, and how you learned that you were going to be part of it. Yeah, it was um, it was a really good experience. It was, uh, I learned from, uh, I got a call from, from Jeff McLaren uh, a couple months ago, um, you know, asking me if I'd be interested in, in being part of the organization, representing the Rays. And once you kind of 
explained uh, what the whole event was to me and, um, you know, what was all going to happen and, and all the lessons and people that were going to be there. I, I was all, all for it. I was excited to go down there. And then, um, you know, just meeting so many, so many good young players while I was down there. Um, and then throwing a good mix of, you know, old veteran guys who kind of came back and, and were able to speak words of wisdom and give tidbits of advice and lessons that they learned throughout the league. Um, you know, it was, a, it was a pretty cool pretty cool event that I was uh, definitely happy to be part of. Now, you, the other Rays representatives were Brendan McKay and Vidal Brujan. Give us an idea of, of you know, you were there for, what, three-plus days, what a, what a day was like, what, what the kind of things they, they walked you through were. Uh, well, they, um, uh, they, they definitely gave us advice about all kinds of, all different facets of the game. Um, you know, how to properly talk to media, how to use your own social media, um, to not kind of, um, you know, put you in harm's way or make any mistakes on that. Um, there was, uh, financial lessons. There was, um, pretty much just basically how to carry yourself as a big leaguer, um, like I said, there were uh, there were a bunch of old old veteran not old but uh, <laughs> there were a bunch of veteran guys that uh, that you know we were fortunate enough to have come back. Um, you know, Dave Winfield sticks out uh, just as a iconic iconic player that was pretty cool to listen to hear some of his stories and um, you know just just advice from from bottom to the top uh, was uh, all very appreciated and definitely. Definitely good to soak in, especially coming from from people that have been around the game long enough, like they have. So it was all good. How much of it was on field stuff? How much of it was off field? Was the majority of this off field stuff? Uh yes, yeah. I, I would say the majority is off field. Um, you know, they're they're always preaching. You know, everybody everybody's in this room and on the verge, or if not already broke into the league uh, for a reason. Um, but that talent only takes you so far, um, obviously. And it's a cliche saying, but, uh, you know, hearing stories of, you know, people kind of making mistakes here and there and, and not handling their business the right way and kind of how that affected the future of their career and, and possibly cut it short. Um, you definitely don't want to make those kind of same mistakes. So uh, it was uh, definitely, yeah, more off the, off the field stuff, but, um you know, all of it, all of it was definitely appreciated. And I know that one of the segments they do is with what a group of uh, comedians, kind of an improv group. What was that like? And, and what was your, your takeaway from that? In addition to a lot of laughter. Oh, the, the improv group was great. They, uh, they, they were, they were uh, definitely a, a good icebreaker. I've never kind of I've been around, a, you know, kind of a, an environment where, you, you don't know as many people as, as you might think. You may know who they are, but you don't know them personally. So there's always that awkward kind of, you know, first time in a big room full of a bunch of people that, like, ah, did I, does he know me? Did I know him? Did I go say what's up to him? I talked to him three years ago in double A. Did you remember me? But um, it, was, it was definitely a good icebreaker, like I said. It, they got the room interacting with each other. Um, they got... Uh, a lot of a lot of participation, um, some some forced, some volunteer, but uh, it was uh, it was good interaction, and and I think that's kind of 
like you said, besides the laughter, I think that was kind of like the main focus for for the entire group. And uh, yeah, they did they did an excellent job. I thought. Did I see on social media that you won some sort of contest there too? Oh yeah, rock paper scissors champs. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, that was pretty cool. It was pretty. Uh, it was just the AL versus NL, and then kind of make your way through the AL and go up on stage and face the representative from the NL. So a lot of hard work, a lot of determination played into that for sure. Definitely wasn't all luck. So uh, uh, is your go-to rock? Is it paper? Is it scissor? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of a guy who reads the uh, reads my opponent. I gotta read, gotta kind of read his in, into his eyes a little bit to kind of see what he, he was got. He was a heavy rock guy, so I was kind of uh, leaning more towards paper. So who'd you beat to to win that thing? Uh, you know what? I couldn't I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I believe he was with the Cubs, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I would, have, I would have to go back and look at that. Uh, that's probably something I should know. <laughs> that's, that's all right. You you um, you um spent some time with Brendan McKay this past year because you guys were in Durham in the big leagues together. How much, well did you know mm-hmm. Vidal before this, and how nice was it to spend some time with him? Yeah, I, um, I, I haven't I, – I, I mean, I know him a little bit. Uh, we actually were teammates my first year in, um, in pro ball down in the GCL. Okay. So, um, you know, I've been around him for sure, obviously during spring training and, and all that stuff. Uh, a couple, I think I was down early one spring training while he was down for a, for a camp of some sort. So definitely been around, definitely seen what he can do on the field. Uh, his talent speaks for himself and the way he plays speaks for himself. Um, and, yeah, I think he, a, a lot of his personality on the field is kind of the same off the field. He's at, that go wild, high energy, um, you know, great teammate kind of guy. And, uh, you know, that's kind of what I experienced a little bit more this past week in Miami at the rookie <laughs> development program. Um, you know, he was very interactive. He, uh, you know, just he looked like he was happy to be there. So uh, we had a good time for sure. And I'm guessing, yeah, you mentioned you had a good time. We've touched on, you know, this this past week, but what's the offseason been like for you? Uh, your first after making your big league debut – um, what have you focused on, and, and how much rest did you give your uh, your body since it was your longest season? Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a little bit of an adjustment uh, as far as making a plan for this off season. I uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to run across some guys who, who have been in, in the league and and been in the postseason and kind of been able to already go through that shorter off season of making the uh, postseason and. And kind of playing past uh, playing past September, unlike uh, minor league season. So, for uh, I lucked out there. Um, you know, really, my main focus this off season has kind of been more functional strength instead of just uh, overall strength. Where I think I focused on in the past. Um, I was just trying to you know, get as big as possible, as fast as possible, and didn't really correlate it to actual baseball movements. I was just so focused on, you know, how much weight can I put up on the bar. Um, and not really worried about how that would translate to the game. Whereas this offseason, uh, obviously shorter time period until spring training, um, realized that the work that I'm going to do in the weight room and in the cage and, and on the turf field for agility, that's all got to 
quickly correlate to the baseball field because I have shorter time, obviously. So that's really been a main, a main focal point. Uh, I did give my body a couple of weeks rest, obviously, at the end of the season, um, both body and mental rest. Uh, obviously, a lot was thrown at me last year. So, um, yeah, it was, it was good. Uh, after a couple of weeks, went right back to the gym. Um, and then probably started hitting about a, hitting and throwing about a month ago. So we're uh, we're getting back in the swing of things for sure. Who gave you the uh, the good advice? The big leaguers that helped you out. I'm kind of curious. Yeah, actually, um, Jordan Schaefer was a um, former big leaguer for about part to six years. Mm-hmm. Kind of bounced around. Uh, Jordan Schaefer. He was uh, he was kind of bouncing around. Like I said, he was with the Braves. Um, I think he had a season with the Dodgers, um, but he he actually opened up a, a workout facility in my area, in Northwest Indiana. Nice. Um, so I yeah, that was it was really lucky for me because you know finding off season workout spots are kind of scarce in this area. I'm guessing, yeah. So uh, yeah, so he kind of opened a, a one stop shop, um, weight room, agility. He's got a really cool sand room. I've been taking a, a lot of uh, classes in. So, you know, just talking to him and his experiences in the league and, and how he adjusted the um, minor league life to, you know, the big league life and off season and all that stuff. It was, uh, yeah, like I said, I lucked out, got some good advice, and, uh, yeah, they were roll with it. And, and just to get fans a good idea as to, you know, what you call functional strength versus overall strength, are you working more on core? Are you working on hands, wrists, uh, forearms? You know, types of things that that will get you kind of, uh, you know, through through the swing plane a little quicker. What are the kinds of things that you're working on to improve in the off season? And then, how do you hope that translates on the field? Yeah, I think it's um, definitely a lot of core for sure. Like you like you kind of mentioned, um, a lot of stability work as well. Um, I got my early on in the off season. I got my body tested uh, for kind of just weaknesses in my own body that may not be allowing me to kind of do the things I want, both in my swing or or in my fielding. Um, one of the big things, and, and that came out of I I realized I had um, ankle stability, for example. So my my back right ankle wasn't allowing me to. Um, basically hold the amount of force that I wanted to drive through my swing. So just for off the top of my head, just like that example, I've been doing a lot of ankle flexibility, ankle strengthening. Um, with that came, came more core and oblique strengthening just because the body's all connected at some point. So when you strengthen, strengthen the lowest point, the lowest base of your body, like the ankle, um, you know, we quickly learned that it was also helping my, uh, you know, core mobility and oblique uh, lengthening and, you know, the, the list goes on and on. But, yeah, for example, that was that was one of my main focal points for, for sure. Um, and I think it's been enough seeing some, some big jumps in cages and off the hit tracks numbers and um, definitely liking where it's going so far. Good to hear. And with spring training now, what, about uh, four weeks away, how excited are you? When will you come down to Florida and get out of the uh, the cold of Indiana. Yeah, I'm definitely excited. I'm always excited for spring training. Um, I, I ever since I got into pro ball and 
and went through my first spring training in 17. I, I think it's, it's one of the more, more fun parts of the year. Um, everybody's under one roof, you know, you may not break with the team that uh, your closest buddies are, are breaking with. So it, it's kind of nice. Like I said, all being under the same roof, catching up with people, um, seeing how their off seasons went, um, all that stuff. So I'm definitely, definitely excited to get down and support Charlotte. Uh, I'm actually going to go down a little bit earlier this year. We uh, we got a spot for a full two months. Can't really rent down in Florida from February 10th to the end of March or whatever it may be. So uh, since we got it for all of February and March, we're uh, I'm going to uh, probably get down there the first first couple of days of February just to get out of the snow, like you said. Um, Baseball is definitely different when you're training indoors to playing outdoors. So, uh, you know, I'm going to get down there about a week before everybody else does, I think, and, and kind of just work out outside and, you know, feel it a little bit, uh, feel the difference from, like I said, indoor to outdoor training. Well, we look forward to seeing you down here in, in Florida soon. Uh, enjoy the last uh, month with friends and family and continued success, and we appreciate some time on our latest podcast. Absolutely. Not a problem, Bill. Thanks for having me. All right, really good stuff from Mike Brasso, and we certainly appreciate him and James Click joining us on our latest podcast. Obviously, uh, for most of you, but you've been following nationally. There's been a lot of baseball news uh, with the Houston Astros getting the penalties they received and perhaps more for Alex Cora. Um, you know, I posted this on Twitter, and it's it's something I said there, and, and, and you know, I've given it a lot of thought. Um, I, I, I wish there were something that were a clear deterrent to the player as much as it is to the organization through this. Um, and I'm curious how this all plays out going forward. Um, you know, I, I, I hope um, that that was a, a major step uh, toward improving things. And we'll see how things go from that regard. But in terms of how things go for the Rays, um, I'm going to be spending some time back and forth from Port Charlotte the next few weeks. There are a lot of prospects working out down there here in the month of January. And uh, we'll probably have a podcast either at the end of the week or early next week with some of those, um, including some guys who've been added to the 40-man roster. Until then, uh, make sure to check out our blog, raceradio.moblogs.com. We're going to have an interesting piece up on uh, the three battle rule and how that may or may not impact the race this year. Thanks very much for listening to us, and we'll chat with you soon.